0: Hey, I want to welcome you to a beautiful Monday. Happy Halloween. Yes, I know I went as Elmer Fudd. Yes, I know I went from, like, bull from night court. Yes, I know I am a human thumb. I know all the jokes. Don't get me crazy. I know exactly what you're thinking. Hey, Dockage, you didn't even need a mask. Yeah, I know. But I tell you what, it was better than the comb-over I was pulling. As the lovely Lee Ross says, Uh, The other way wasn't so great either, which I thought is always pretty funny. Hey, welcome. It is Halloween. Hope you're going to have a very fun day today. Personally, where we live, nobody really comes, uh, but we make little gift bags for the neighborhood kids. Uh, Our our house is kind of down a hill, and it's a pain in the backside to get up. You know what I'm saying? It's a pain in the backside to get up, but that's all right. Hope you guys have a wonderful Halloween. I got to tell you, it's time. What's it time for, Dan? It's time for law enforcement. If coaches are too weak, and we'll see what happens with Mel Tucker here, but certainly Nick Saban uh, is too weak and too concerned with winning. Steve Kerr, too weak, too concerned with winning. If coaches, frankly, are too weak and too concerned with winning and too emboldened in the players, it's time for law enforcement to get serious here about crimes that are being committed not necessarily on the court or on the field or on the pitch, but after. In society, you could argue that the tunnel at Michigan is where people are, not just athletes. It's where staff goes. It's where administrators are. You could argue that a practice floor, how, co- how close off the floor was Draymond Green to coaches? Ron Adams, assistant coach, right there. Different personnel, right there. You could argue Yes, Alabama, maybe they did have to run to get off the field, but that doesn't excuse taking a swipe, and that doesn't excuse Nick Saban being chicken blank. Mel Tucker's got a problem. Mel Tucker, the coach at Michigan State. Let's show the video, uh, Dylan. I'll talk over it. This is. These are the actions of an out-of-control team. These are the actions of out-of-control players. You can call them kids. You can call them adults. You all do the thing where you say, well, they're just kids. This look like kids? And the problem is, I see this all the time, every day in my Twitter account, not necessarily by players in a sport, but I see it in our society. We've become a lawless society. We know sports, guys like Mel Tucker, when you are the coach, and you're trying to act like a badass in all your promotions, you're a child. And Mel Tucker's never won anything. Mel Tucker had like eight games where he was any good, uh, with a running back, Kenneth Walker III, And other than that, he's been horrible. But even more childish are all the ads with tough-looking Mel Tucker. Here comes Mel. Shut up. Be an adult. When coaches are children, things like this happen. When coaches are more concerned with winning than anything else, I hope these players go to jail. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. It is time for law enforcement. The smartest guy I know, a guy named Bill Papp, sent me a text today. Son played football. He's a brilliant dude. He's like, hey, maybe, just maybe, law enforcement needs to step in to clean this crap up. Because we've seen it three times in the last, what, month and a half? We've seen very dangerous circumstances. And look, Steve Kerr's not going to have the stones to do it. Steve Kerr is too afraid of his own shadow when it comes to diversity, when it comes to things like that. He just wants to be on the right side. He doesn't really care what facts are. He just thinks about being on the right side. So his players will respect little Stevie Kerr. Nick Saban just gives the rats about winning, and Mel Tucker's a child. And frankly, coaches these days, they're not equipped to handle this. How many times have you seen this? How many times have you seen we're a player's program? Really? Everybody's a player's program. Everybody's beholden to players. There have been four guys suspended. We'll see what happens with this. Is suspension enough? I don't know. You do this in the supermarket, chances are you're going to jail. But here's the problem. In Indianapolis, we got a prosecutor that would let you out. In your city, you probably got a prosecutor that would let you out. We've become insanely soft on criminals. We're trying to acquiesce to criminals. Think about that. I'm not talking about here, I'm talking about in society. There's a race right now in Indianapolis for prosecutor. I got a flyer from the incumbent saying, I'm tough on crime. Are you crazy? Every day in our city, we have things like guy was let out on bail early for three murders and now he killed again. We have it every day. Every day. This is ridiculous. Coaches have no sack. Good for Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker actually showed Nick Saban how to act. Nick Saban, my ass. But Mel Tucker, when you act like a child, When you try to act like a player, and you're going to show a mean mug, and you're going to be tough, and you're here comes Mel. Shut up. Be an adult. We don't have coaches that are adults anymore. We don't have broadcasters that are adults anymore. We don't have leaders that are adults. We don't have even adults anymore. We got everybody acquiescing to players. And players just keep acting like idiots. The more entitled you let an 18- to 23-year-old, the more they're going to act up. I would have. I did. This thing in Michigan State, let's show, let's show a couple of things. Let's show the guys taking a slap at a woman here for Alabama. This is what we've come to in sports right here. This is what we've come to. A fight. And then we got guys running off the field taking a slap at a Tennessee student. Let's just run off the – boom, right there in the middle. Let's just take a slap at some girl. Oh, blood and guts. Why? Because we can. Why? Because there'll be no repercussion. Why? Because our coach has our back. Man, I want to go somewhere where a coach has our back. All right, let's show Draymond Green's punch. We got three things here in the last six weeks. What are we doing? At what point does law enforcement say, All right, time out? Time out. We're done here. We are absolutely done here. It's time for us because the adults that are supposedly running sports don't have these stones to do anything. It is time for us. Look at all. There's there's a guy right there. He not part of these are these are. Look at this. These are regular people. It's time for police to step in. Coaches are too soft. Coaches. We'll see. Maybe maybe Mel Tucker isn't. Maybe Mel Tucker is not that soft. Maybe Mel Tucker actually has a stone or two. We'll see. Suspension don't mean nothing. How about these idiots swinging? How about jumping two guys? telling you, sport's out of control, man. And it may take law enforcement coming in to get her done and straighten her out because coaches cannot do it. Yesterday in the NFL, let me ask you a question. If you're going to play a sport, you better know the rules. Uh, and seriously, now Justin Fields throws a pick, right? Or they're, they're, no, no David Montgomery formula.. It it, it, and Justin Fields comes over in the Dallas Cowboys Bears game, and instead of just putting his hand on Micah Parsons, he jumps over because he doesn't know the rules. Doesn't know the rule that you got to touch a guy that's down. So what does Parsons do? Well, Parsons knows the rules. Parsons is pretty smart. Parsons jumps up, and Parsons takes off. And Parsons scores a touchdown. So, game's over, 49 points. Okay, that's what the Bears give up, 49 points. So, what do the Bears do after the game? You know what the Bears do after the game. They talk. It's embarrassing. It's this. It's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't blame the Bears players. This was the easiest bet of the weekend, even though they were given nine and a half. Let me ask you a question. We talked about this on Friday. You're a Bears fan, which I was growing up. Bears just have a monster win against New England, and all of a sudden their general manager, who, of course, is young, he's diverse, so he's a star, uh, guess what? He makes the dumbass move of getting rid of Robert Quinn, one of their leaders, to the point where their other leader on defense, Roquan Smith, is crying in a press conference. That's how stupid this general manager is. Yeah, you got like three picks ten years from now. Who cares? And I know what dumbass Bears fans are saying. Well, we're building for the future. You've been building for the future since 1985. You just had a big win. You got your players all jacked. And then... Your general manager, in his infinite wisdom, decides, hey, man, I'm going to get rid of one of our best players. I know Bear fans. I get it. I do. I get it. You can't not. You got a new regime. You got Eberflush. You got this new guy, Polls. They're protected. You're not allowed to criticize because we're building BS. You ain't building nothing. It's crap. It's crap. And I'll say it. Chicago won't say it. I say it. It's crap. Nobody's protected in the NFL. I don't care if you're the new coach, the new general manager. When you do things to hurt players, when you do things like what you did, Rokon Smith sitting there crying, please. You don't get rid of a star player right after a big win if you care at all about the season. You know what fans should do? Fans should say, hey, uh, what's your name, Pauls? Yeah, I know you're in your first year, so we're giving you a year, but that was stupid. We're not showing. You don't care about the year? We don't care about the year. That'd be interesting. All right, I got to tell you, Bear fans, you know the name Eddie Pinero. You do. I'm not going to go into it. I'm not going into the history, Bear fans. I won't do it to you. But I will say this, Eddie Pinero rides again. Eddie Pinero, let's go through it. DJ Moore, touchdown, over the shoulder, unbelievable. He takes his helmet off, which in the way, who cares? But apparently that's a rule in the NFL. DJ Moore makes an unbelievable play. Uh, Philip, I'm uh, PJ Walker, makes an unbelievable throw. Boom, right here. They're going to win the game. Guy takes his helmet off. So what? He's out of the back of the end zone. Takes his helmet off. Wants people to see him. I don't blame him. See, basketball, you don't have to take anything off. Basketball, you're in your underwear. It's beautiful. Takes his helmet off. So the referees, I guess by rule, you got to call a penalty. Oh man, moves the kickback. Eddie Panero does Eddie Panero things. He misses the extra point. We go to overtime. Eddie Panero misses there. Next thing you know, Koo kicks it, makes it through, and man, the Falcons win. The Falcons are a great story. I don't know if you noticed this. Even guys now, I hate to call out our own company. I don't want to do it. I don't want to, Jay Glazer and others. I don't want to, but the Colts got fleeced and the Colts can't coach. Why am I mentioning the Colts? Tell you why. Because Atlanta said bye-bye to Matt Ryan to the quote, according to not only CBS, Fox, Prime Video, ESPN, everyone, the world's greatest general manager in Indy, and according to mm, mm, Jay Glazer, an elite coach. In Frank Wright. Well, the Falcons have taken those two to school. And Marcus Mariota and that crew, for whatever the reason, I don't know the reason. Maybe Mariota went to Las Vegas and Tennessee, learned lessons. Maybe he grew up. I don't. Maybe it's a better scheme. I, beats me, but Mariota's pretty good. Mariota's leading them. All right. Let's go this route. All right, I got a new crush. I want it established right now. I got a new crush. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts to A.J. Brown. Thank you, Tennessee, we all said, draft day, for getting A.J. Brown out of the Colts division. Thank you. Appreciate you. Three touchdowns in the first half. Three touchdowns in the first half, and oh by the way, uh, was on his way to a fourth one in the second half. Got tripped up on like the two. Jalen Hurts is my new crush. Jalen Hurts, going back to when Jalen Hurts was at um, what's it what's it called? Uh, Alabama, and Tua Tungavaioloa stepped in for him. Is unbelievable how he handled it. Jalen Hurts is my new crush. He is. Jalen Hurts is a bad boy. Jalen Hurts just does everything you want. Jalen Hurts leaves. Remember when Tungavailoa took his job? He didn't sulk. He just transferred, played well, got in the NBA, NFL, worked his way up. Next thing you know, boom, here he is. It's unbelievable. Lamar Jackson, my all-time crush, he's making a comeback, too, for me. He was struggling in the fourth quarter, so we had a, t- we had a temper. But I'll tell you this, man, Jalen Hurts, wow. Holy cow. Woo! Jalen Hurts, go get him. A.J. Brown, whew, that's a pretty good combination. Mercury Morris and the Dolphins, I don't know. I, I, if, Well, the Dolphins, Zonka, I think Jim Kick died. I'm not sure who's alive with that group, but I got to tell you, that group, be a little nervous. The Eagles are pretty good, man. Uh, last night, I, you know what, the greatest thing about last night, was waking up this morning and realized the Packers had covered 10 and a half. I I turned it off. I was disgusted. You know, people talk about, well, you know, I don't want this guy to outlast his legacy, right? You know, Adam Wainwright, I don't want him outlasting his legacy. Well, I got to tell you, Aaron Rodgers looks bad. Aaron Rodgers has bad body language. Aaron Rodgers looks like a guy who shows up on Saturday for a Sunday game, or Sunday morning for a Sunday game, or Sunday at game time for a Sunday game, throws the ball around a little bit, next thing you know, boom, we lose. Okay, I'm going home having a scotch. Give me a scotch. Give me a tumbler full of scotch. That's what that dude looks like. That team stinks. Yeah, I know wide receiver went out. Yeah, I know that they had plans. Yeah, 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 that team stinks. Look, uh, I tell you who doesn't stink, Stephon Diggs. I like Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs wanted to be clear that uh, he and that Zaire Williamson or whatever, Alexander, it wasn't his fault. I don't care whose fault it was. It was fun to watch two guys just battle. See, I like when guys beat the living hell out of each other on the field. I'm all in on beating the living hell out of each other on the field. I'm not in on beating the hell out of each other off the field, particularly Michigan State when you get beat, particularly Alabama when you get beat, particularly Draymond Green when you're just an idiot. I ain't all in on that. But I am in on two guys, a corner and a wide receiver, battling all day because it makes it interesting. Like if I were the quarterback, and Diggs is going against this Zaire guy. You're not saying Diggs. I'm throwing to you all day. We're going to embarrass this guy like he's never been embarrassed. He and others are going to learn never, ever, ever to challenge you and me. Because make no mistake, when it's a wide receiver, it is also the quarterback. Make no mistake. So it's not just the wide receiver. It's the quarterback is what we're in the huddle. I'm like, hey, Stefan. I'm going to line you up against that guy. Uh, you know, we may even do it like this. Hey, man, go down and in. Go five yards down, cross in. I'm going to get it to you on the run and just whip his backside. Or, you know, let's do a little sluggo. I don't know, but I'm doing it every single moment of every single day. That's right. That's what I'm doing. Every moment of every day to make my, my, my guy look unbelievable. Anyway, uh, is uh, I screwed this up? Is is Jonathan with us? I had said Chad on Twitter. What am I doing, man? I gotta tell you. All right, we gotta talk about this. We gotta talk about why Tennessee is the freaking hub of all things football. Jonathan Hutton joins us. It's the hub of all things football, and you look cleanly shaved. Did you lose a bet?
1: No, I just went as Maverick at Clay Travis's Halloween party. And by the way, like I, I've introduced myself several times as Chad Withrobe and Clay Travis, depending on if I have a beard or not. So it's par for the course, Dan. How are you? Good morning.
0: I, I like it. Why is Tennessee the <laughs> capital of all things? Why can the Titans lose everybody, including – oh, look at this. There you go. my hey, MJ. <laughs> oh, MJ and Tom Cruise together. It's a yeah. celebrity event. Are you kidding me?
1: <laughs> hey, Clay, Clay throws the uh, the Halloween party of the year. Um, you came in the, a week too early, Dockett. You've got to get down there uh, next year for the 31st or the weekend of because Clay and Laura are doing a fantastic job. Uh, he's dressed as the goat, and he threw a goat of all parties uh, this past weekend.
0: The beautiful thing of looking like this is I can go as Elmer Fudd. I can go as a bull from Night Court. I can go as, you know, a Buddha. You know, I can go as a thumb. You know, me and Koharski could go as twins. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it could be a big deal. Yeah,
1: yeah Koharski pulls off a great Dr. Evil. Uh, the best costume I saw uh, at Clay's was uh, a couple went as Bruce and Caitlyn Jenner. And they, I mean, they pulled it off perfectly. Um, so that, that probably won costume of the night, there was also a Walter white there that was spot on. Um, and then the guy who like lives next door. He just walked over, put a little nasal strip around his nose, wore some glasses and it was perfect.
0: <laughs> I love that stuff. I do. All right. Why is Tennessee the center of all things football? Cause it is, I mean, it is, they just win in Tennessee.
1: Well, um, they win. I don't know if it's the, the prettiest thing. Well, on in the college ranks, it is. Um, in, the, in the pro ranks, you're right. They just win. They win tight games. They have one way to victory, and Vrabel is great at making sure he has his team ready to play in that one way. They don't really beat themselves. They run the football well. When they don't, they're getting beat. And they're they're five and two right now because they've been able to run the football well recently with Derrick Henry. And yesterday, Dan, I know you know this. Uh, he he passes Eddie George for the franchise's all all time record in touchdowns. And that's that's not easy to do. And Henry's already done it. And he's done it in like this five year span where he's been otherworldly running the football. I thought yesterday.
0: Uh... One pass in the second half by the Titans. You talk about managing a game. Eddie George, I I don't know, after about, I don't know, 10 minutes of nothing but runs, maybe you load the box or maybe you can load the box, but there's nothing you could do with Derrick Henry. Excuse me, not Eddie George. Derrick Henry just seemed to have this whole thing figured out from the start of the game, from like the second run of the game.
1: In his last four starts against Houston, He has like just under 900 total yards rushing. He averages 223 yards per game in his last four against the Texans. He has nine rushing touchdowns, and he's rushed for more than 200 yards in each of those games. He now has 12 carries uh, for eight yards or more. He did that yesterday, and he's done that just three times total. Uh, in those games uh, previously with 12 carries for the same amount of yards. So, I mean, he he runs up and down the field on Houston. That's just what he does. It's no secret. And, I mean, they the third quarter alone, he had 124 yards on 14 carries yesterday. The Texans are awful. They're going to make everybody look like Derrick Henry. The difference is Derrick Henry looks like that every single year against Houston. And, and he does it to perfection. And here's the other key with what they're doing yesterday. And it's important. Henry runs for 200 yards plus, but he only needed 32 carries to get there. And he, they didn't really have to run him into the ground in, in order to do that. It was a, a very workmanlike game plan. You're right. Malik Willis is starting for Ryan Tannehill. He's not ready to lead a team. He's not ready to play. Um, they need Ryan Tannehill, even though Ryan Tannehill not making this passing game much better e- anyway. But I mean, Malik Willis made Justin Fields look good. Malik Willis completed only six passes in that game. And that's the lowest amount of any team this year offensively. So uh, they, they need Tannehill back. But here's the thing, Dan. They don't really focus on the passing game anyway. It's going through 22. And he normally heats up this time of year in November and December.
0: All right. I'm disgusted with my Colts. The division is over. <laughs> from an outside, from a guy that lives in Tennessee and covers this division and all of football. You know I've been on the media here because they tell me we, here in Indy we have a Super Bowl roster and this is the greatest move. First Matt Ryan, now uh, whatever his name is, Ellinger. From, yeah. from your view, what's your perspective of the Colts?
1: um they're not clutch there I don't I don't think they're I don't go into a game I like Frank Reich. I think he's a nice guy right like but I shouldn't be saying that first thing in a description I don't know if I go into a game Dan in most weeks and I Colts fans may completely disagree here in most weeks I don't think the Colts have the best coach on the sideline I think the other team does at worst the Colts should be the commanders right now. Slow start, but they've won three straight, the commanders, to get to 500. They're at four and four now. Washington had, a what, an 89-yard game-winning drive. They converted a fourth down on a big play from their backup quarterback. Uh, a, a veteran head coach is getting the most out of his team who has every reason to finger point and, and make excuses. That's who the Colts should be. But they're not. They're pretenders. They're, uh, you know, Terry McLaurin is ripping the hearts out of his hometown indie fan base yesterday with a great double move against Stefan Gilmore, who was one of the reasons why the media latched on to the Colts again this past preseason. That put the commanders down at the one yard line. Heineke rushes in for a game winning touchdown. And you've got a guy who, what, won four state titles in high school at Indiana on that field, two Big Ten championships on that field. And then he helped Washington, who has no business being four and four, win on that field yesterday against the Colts, who when their backs are against the wall, they stay there. They don't do anything to get out of it instead of just pouting and making excuses, saying that they, man, we really fought hard to the end of the season. There's nothing to show for it there. McLaurin's making plays. Michael Pittman's dropping passes. That's the difference in these teams.
0: Did the same thing against the Titans, did the same thing in Nissan Stadium late in the game with with a fumble. And, you know, one of the things that you guys said, and Paul, I think, was on my indie show, and he said this, and you just said it. When you're with the Tennessee Titans, I think – and you don't know how to quantify every game, I get it. But you feel like you have the better coach. You feel like you have the better culture. You feel like you have the better setup. Does does that make sense? I I always – this is something that I watch – and I never feel that, to your point, with the Colts. Never, ever.
1: Yeah, and there's only a handful of – I think there's only a handful of teams where you can say that because, I, look, it's not like the – I'm not saying the Titans are, you know, the cream of the crop in the AFC because they're 5-2. and two. They're not. They, they have a very distinct way of winning football games. But Vrabel is very good at winning that way. The, the Colts should be running the football with Jonathan Taylor as their identity. And they, they just don't do that. That Wright didn't do it last year when he should have. Um we we know the famous and heralded twenty-seven plays in between giving him the football against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where the Bucs came back and won that game. That's indicative of their mentality and their identity. And it's just not in their DNA. That that's the issue. And offensively, the Titans are not great. You know, they won yet again, scoring twenty-four or less and you know that's it's just to me that's going to come back to bite them that's why I think they're just a very average team despite being above average in this division the Colts are average and mediocre and it starts on Tuesday when they're putting this game plan together and you know they're turning to Sam Ellinger and there's not much there other than a little bit mobility and, and that that's the biggest issues is they continue to search without having finding many solutions and there's more more discussion about moving forward and what Jim Mercy is going to do than it is what are they going to do in November because you continue to see them lose these layup games.
0: You know, hey, I do want to – you know, here in Indianapolis, and, and this fascinates me because the Colts can't run the ball. The offensive line stinks. The offensive line is the highest paid in the league. The offensive line has a lot of draft capital, including the six-player pick – overall in the draft, but Tennessee seems like, all right, Taylor Lewan was out, didn't matter. Or maybe it did matter, but it didn't hinder them. Let me put it to you that way. Offensively, yeah. you mentioned uh, Derrick Henry. Obvious. How's this line been put together?
1: They, so the last couple of years, they've, I mean, it's par for the course that Lewan's hurt. He hasn't played a full season since 2017. And, and it they they're far better with him than without him that's not what I'm trying to say but they have been good at piecing things together and still having some of their their glue guys their linchpins stay through it Ben Jones at center is a, a big reason why uh Nate Davis who has been banged up is back they feel like they have a solution finally at right tackle and Nicholas petit Frere who played at Ohio State and is a rookie and then there's some question marks on the left side and they, it goes back to their identity. The Titans would rather be in too tight than in 11 personnel. Uh, that wasn't the case last year, but they're getting more back to that, which is what Arthur Smith was good in good with in, in 2020 when they made and, and put up offensive records, they like to go too tight. They'll help out the, the tackle issues and they can still play their game. They can still run the football. In fact, it improves the run game when they're loading up top and and they're they're going heavy up front. So I I think they can they can be down a guy or two and still run the football with effectiveness. Meanwhile, just comparing the two, they're they're not mirror images. The 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 Colts are trying to set up the run through the pass, and the Titans are the opposite. And they're relying a lot more on their receivers who are an average receiving core. The Titans have the worst wide receiving core in the National Football League. To me, it's not even close. (laughs) They have really fallen off in that department. And because they can run the football well against eight and eight and a half nine-man boxes, they can be down a guy and still survive. Their defense is going to play solid. They're not going to make stupid mistakes, stupid bleep as Mike Vrabel would say, to turn the football over and give your opponent a, a, many extra possessions, especially in the second half. And they're going to control time of possession in theory. I mean, and, and special teams will be solid. That That is their their path to victory. If any of those things slips up, they're not winning. But they're winning because, to your point, they have an identity, they have a culture, and they lean on that. And it starts with their head coach and general manager. It's
0: amazing. All right, last thing. We got a Tennessee who looked unfreaking believable. College football. Let me before we get to Georgia, did yeah. you expect the beatdown that we saw of uh Kentucky? Yes. We must always talk when Kentucky gets beat down. I like it.
1: I expected the one 800 ass whip. Dial it up, Dan. Um it spread was like 12 all week. I was saying double the spread. This this was This was in the in the works for a couple of weeks because Tennessee, after getting over the hump against Florida, even rewinding, winning a tight game against Pitt, which was really their toughest game other than Alabama. um, No one was predicting Alabama. It was Pitt, Florida. And what happens if they split those two games? Well, they get past both. Then Knoxville is on fire whenever Bama comes to town. It was the game of the year and they win that game. First time in the Saban era at Alabama, and to me, Josh Heupel, who has done a tremendous job, is not going to allow his team to overlook Kentucky to get to Georgia. We are, that was a that was a hill and a mountain for a previous coaching staff. This is also a Kentucky team that I compared last week. They are the Indianapolis Colts of college football. The media loves them. Back-to-back 10-win seasons. Um, they're headed to another bowl game in Florida, probably to play like Penn State again. Cool. I mean, that's that's really good for Kentucky football. <laughs> but no one wants to adjust expectations when they don't watch a team play every week. So Kentucky, the underdog on the road against Ole Miss, didn't make sense. Ole Miss won the game Kentucky covered. Earlier, Kentucky goes to Florida and wins. I never thought Florida was that good. And – Coming to town, Tennessee runs the football better than Kentucky. Their defense has improved. Kentucky, it's not like they're putting up a bunch of points. So whenever I heard this, oh, they're going to control time of possession, they're not winning this game 17 to 9. That's just – you're not going to win that way against the Vols. Um, Love them, hate them, respect them. I mean, you've got to put up points, and there's only a handful of teams that can do that. Kentucky's not one of them. Will Levis is not that guy. And that's why I was expecting the the boat race that we saw. And it turns out it wasn't even that close. I mean, they were, they were lapped by halftime and, you know, Kentucky is no longer lauded as the second best team in the SEC East. The winner, the winner this week will have number one. And, and number two could be Georgia whenever we're finished on Saturday night. What do
0: you think real quick? What do you think?
1: It's the game of the century. Uh, and I don't think that's overhyping it when you have number one versus number two in the AP poll and then what we'll see with the college football playoff rankings tomorrow. Tennessee, they've already turned the corner. Now it's about you know, even more, a chance to play for an SEC title, a chance to assure that they're in the college football playoff. And both of these teams are exciting brands of football. Georgia's posted like 560 yards on average in their last two games. They can score. Stetson Bennett is better than last year. And the Vols have a Heisman candidate that's likely the front runner now, so it's it's going to be awesome, and I, I can't wait to see this game in Athens. In fact, maybe maybe we'll be there, Dan. Bring the bus, bring the bus. Uh, we'll 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 meet in Atlanta on Friday, and we'll travel to Athens on Saturday with with Clay. Oh man, let's go. You got my number. You make the let's, rules.
0: Uh, I'm in. You, you make you the rules. Me? Let's I'm, go. I'm, I'm... Well, I don't even make the rules in my own house. I don't even make the rules. <laughs> I'm looking around. I'm looking around my basement here. I don't even make the rules here or that couch would have been over here. I don't.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, oh, I, it's going to be a blast. Yeah. I can't wait, man.
0: Thank, thank you, my friend. Thank you, Jonathan.
1: Dan, always great to be on with you, man. Anytime. Appreciate you.
0: That was, uh, that was fun. That was really fun. I think I need to grow a beard. He loses his beard. I get my beard. I'm tired. This just looks like Fester. It is Halloween, ladies and gentlemen. Look, speaking of college foots, a lot going on. I'll get back into the Colts here in a minute. I got to give you some of my thoughts on the Colts when we come back. Also, I got a lot to talk about relative to college football. You won't believe what Lane Kiffin did to Jimbo Fisher. Glorious. All right, quick col- quick timeout, as they say in the business. I got Colts thoughts when we come back and a little college football recap. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. All right, let's be honest. I've said this and I've said this. I'm going to get into some college football. We got some great video of Clay Travis jumping in. I believe it's the Tennessee River. Is it the river or the lake? I'm never never sure. Hey, Colts fans, I don't know what to tell you. I'm watching yesterday, and my wife hears a primal scream, and she's like, what happened? I go, Terry McLaurin just ripped the ball out of Stefan Gilmore's hands at the one-yard line. Colts are going to lose this game, and I couldn't believe what I was saying. Five minutes to go, you're up nine points. Now, I know the te- that uh, the commanders were, you know, going to get a point or three or seven, depending on what they did. They ended up getting three out of the drive with about five minutes to go. But the Colts have no toughness, and I think Jonathan Hutton just said it absolutely perfectly. You never have a coaching advantage when you're with the Colts. Sam Ellinger is fine. Everybody wants to like him, so I'll jump on that bandwagon. He didn't have a touchdown, he got a loss. He did not have an interception, threw for 200 yards, and lost a fumble. You wouldn't be a Colts quarterback if you didn't lose a fumble. Colts barely ran the football. Uh, Early in the game, Jonathan Taylor got it going. For whatever the reason, maybe it was his ankle, they stopped. The offensive line blocks nobody, and that is really the shame of it. I thought the defensive front gave great pressure. I thought Taylor Heineke made some incredible plays to get out of trouble, particularly uh, on a third down and then on a fourth down. Remarkable stuff. But I got to tell you, the offensive line of the Colts is embarrassing. And I know there's a lot of Colts fans that watch this, and I've tried to tell you, I've tried to tell you, and I've tried to tell you. Quentin Nelson is a six pick, while at the time I'm like, fine. The more I watch, the worse he has gotten. He got spun around, he got knocked on his backside two weeks in a row, and frankly, the offensive line has nowhere to go now. They have pieced in, they have tried, they have done. The only thing you could possibly do is play a guy that can move it around a little bit, they have in Ellinger. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, get the ball out of his hands quicker. But this Colts team and this Colts year is a complete train wreck. But I got to tell you, when the Colts are in trouble, you know what they do? They dig out Mort. That's right. Old venerable Chris Mortensen to the rescue. They go to Chris Mortensen. All right. They go to Chris Mortensen and Chris delivers. He delivers like nobody else. He does. He comes out and he always protects the Colt horseshoe. Jimmy Ursay is not thinking about firing Frank Reich. Not thinking about firing Chris Ballard. Well, all right. I mean, all right. Colts used to stand for something. Now all they do is get their ass beat week after week after week, and the media is going to tell us, well, you know, culture are really good. They're going to – we got a really good game out of Ellinger. You didn't get anything out of Ellinger. Ellinger was fine. I mean, Ellinger, I guess um, – he, he, he looked like a guy that can play quarterback to a degree. So the Colts have done this. They've tried everything. They brought back former players, Reggie Wayne. Yesterday, uh, Tariq Glenn went in the ring of honor. When in doubt, put in a guy in the ring of honor and bring out Mort. That's the Colts battle cry. I don't know if your city has a battle cry, but that's the damn Colts battle cry, ladies and gentlemen. And it ain't fooling me, people. It ain't fooling me, not even a little bit. Tell you else ain't fooling me, Ohio State. Ohio State's pretty good. Penn State, 21-16. I'm driving in my car. I need this for a parlay. I'm listening to every play. Boom, 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 boom. Next thing you know, you're like, what? They're going to cover 14. Uh, They don't. Didn't matter. I had a money line. 44-31. Look, here's the deal. This is also relative to the Colts. Great teams expand leads. When you were a kid and you watched Duke or you're old as me and you watch old Indiana, you knew if the game was close, eventually Indiana wasn't going to make any mistakes. And next thing you know, they were going to win the game. Colts, you know they're going to make a mistake and give the other team a chance. Ohio State, uh uh-uh. Ohio State ain't going to make the mistake. You're going to have to beat them, and it's hard to beat them. Penn State got a six-year quarterback. Penn State got a coach that won nine games two or three different times at Vanderbilt, for crying out loud. Are you kidding me? Huh? Are you insane? Go win some games. They couldn't. Ohio State, too much. Pick sixes, all kind of other stuff. Uh, Urban was right. Ladies and gentlemen, it pays to listen to this show. I'm sorry, but it pays to listen to this show. Urban Meyer told you that 23-point spread in Georgia, Florida was too much. 42-20. It was a 22-point spread. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. When we're talking college football, I got to put my Bear Bryant hat on because I'm serious about it. I got my – all I need is an elephant right here, and I'm in business. But anyway, Urban wasn't wrong, ladies and gentlemen. Urban was not wrong. He was absolutely right. We covered on that bad boy. We did. Uh, by the way, side note, Indiana and Purdue didn't play this weekend, so you, ladies and gentlemen, don't have to hear – about me. All right. One game that I don't have to cover here and good for them. Notre Dame went into the Qs, rocked the Qs. I'm happy for them. Yeah. Get the sad out people. Get the sad out cues. Get the sad out Colts fans. Get the damn sad out. I'll tell you who else isn't getting the sad out. And that my friends is Tennessee. I already talked about it. I already talked about Tennessee. Tennessee went and whooped up in NFL football, went, get out of here, Texans. Tennessee, get out of here, Big Blue Nation. I told you before and I'll tell you again, Big Blue Nation, first time. What, that Mark Stoops got a little cocky. It's a football school. Uh Uh-huh. Hey, Mark, you know our story. Pull this, it plays Jingle Bells on this show, baby. Uh Uh-uh, Mark Stoops. No, no, we're not having it. It's a basketball school, Mark. It's not a football school. It'll never be a football school. You had a nice run. You won some games. You got to play in Florida on New Year's. Good for you. Yay, Rod, go fight, win. But it's a basketball school. It'll always be a basketball school. It's in the SEC only because of basketball. If the SEC were going to do it right, it would relegate some schools, including Kentucky. Get them out of here. Get somebody else in here that can play us some football. But, hey, look, you're a charter member or whatever. So don't at me, people. The bottom line is simply this. It is a basketball school. Old Miss, ladies and gentlemen, Old Miss, Lane Kiffin, there are two guests I want to have on here as my bucket list guests. Tulsi Gabbard, actually three, four. Tulsi Gabbard, Herschel Walker, uh, Megan Kelly, and Lane Kiffin. I love me some Lane Kiffin. I don't like Lane Kiffin. I love me some Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin, can we show what Lane said after the game? Let's show what Lane said after the game. Lane's not messing around. Lane's not playing around. Lane just simply said, maybe Jimbo has a joker outfit for me. Lane Kiffin did something that coaches never do to each other. He talked about the great players. I'm going to show you a Clay Travis video coming up here in a minute that's awesome. But he talked about the great players that they have at Texas A&M. The great players. Oh, my gosh. When you play against Texas A&M, you hope, you just hope that they don't put it all together when you're playing. And then Lane Kiffin is a gem. Let's see a little Lane Kiffin. We got video of Lane Kiffin? Who? Yeah, I mean, I don't give you coach speak, so yeah, that's real. I mean, most coaches say you know, say no, but yeah, that's real. And someone attacks you personally, and you know, calls you and my good buddy Coach Saban that we're both clowns. Um, you know, you take that personal. So glad we won. I guess I can be a clown for Halloween now. Me liking. Me like Eilani. Who doesn't love Lane Kiffin? I love the dude. I think the dude is fantastic. Shane Beamer came on the show. He was great. Lane Kiffin is absolutely fantastic. I love the dude. Hey, our fearless leader decided, oh, maybe he's going to get baptized. You know, I got a story. I played so bad playing golf with Seth Greenberg one day that I jumped in I think the Caribbean. We were down in the Bahamas doing something for Kentucky basketball, and I jumped in to baptize myself. Took off my pants and my shoes and jumped in the ocean in the middle of a golf match. Lane got himself baptized, or not Lane. Clay got himself baptized. Let's have a look.
1: Up the
2: Tennessee ball, go after it's those great. Bama gold Tennessee let's, ball, let's great. go big orange. It's time get to get rich ball, kids. Say Watch say this play. cannonball.
0: There you go. Hey, let me tell you something. That's nice. That's our fearless leader. Yeah, I like it. McAfee did it on game day. Clay did it here. Let's get it on, baby. I I think I tell you this: Big Noon Saturday is a great show. It is a great show. Uh, I, you know, you can think it's not, you can think it is. I think it's a great show. It's fantastic. You get a coach's perspective. All right. Pat Ho- Holberg. You don't know the name Pat Holberg. He threw a perfect game in the World Series the other day. Dalkich. Dalkich, you're, you, you finally lost it. You put that damn hat on and You lost your damn mind, Dalkich. No, I haven't lost my mind. Here it is. Look, overall accuracy. he was the home plate umpire. 129 pitches. Oh, I don't like this look. 129 pitches, 109 called correctly. The first perfect game since they started tracking in 2015. How about that? He's known as the most accurate umpire in the business. And he tossed himself a perfect freaking game. Now, let me ask you a question. An umpire, this should be tracked more. Seriously. An umpire with a perfect game. See, I don't... Maybe I'm wrong about this. But do umpires go in the Hall of Fame? Like, if you're an umpire and you decide... That you're that good, no, you don't decide, but you're that good, and you throw a perfect game in the World Series as an umpire? That ain't that's got to be like, I don't know, Cooperstown worthy. It's part of baseball. It's in the game. I don't know, man. I'm an advocate. I am. I'm an advocate. Going to be interesting. Umpire. Perfect game. Don't at me, people. It's glorious. Hey, did you see this? Hats off. Look at that red. Hats off to the Lakers. The Lakers beat the Nuggets. The Lakers actually shot the ball like real people. The Lakers looked like a professional organization. And Russell Westbrook, bless his heart, yelled out, Are you not entertained? Go get them, 1-5 Ross. Yeah, we're entertained. I don't think there's anything more fun than guys making forty million billion that can't make a basket. You can dunk. You can run. You play hard. But you can't make a basket. All right. I ain't mad about it either. I'm not mad even a little bit about it. But good for you. God bless you. Salute. You're off the schneid. And usually what happens, once you get off the schneid, things open up for you and away you go. That's right. Away you go. Yeah. Uh, How about about our guy? And he is our guy. Elon Musk. Now, check your Twitter. Maybe you got more followers. Uh, How about Elon Musk? Elon Musk doing great things. Elon Musk has become the funniest, most relatable guy in the country. Right? Jimmy Kimball's mad at him. Jimmy Kimball called him disgusting because, actually, Elon Musk deleted the tweet, but he was responding to something about this whole Paul Pelosi thing by saying, don't you think there's maybe more to it? And then he thought, yeah, I better get, uh, better get that off. But you know what? There is, I think. I don't know. Isn't there? Seems like. I don't know. What the hell do I know? I'm not really going to talk about it until it comes out, but it seems like there's a little bit more... That meets the eye here, but hey, right? I don't know. But Elon Musk on Twitter, let me go through this. He's cleaned house, and if you saw the little clowns leaving, good for them, get out. He's made some changes, including a fact check. He's fact checking more of our left wing friends. I'm no wing. I'm forget him out of West Wing. That's what I am. I'm not a wing. I get called a wing. I get called a white, right-wing conspiracy. I'm no wing. I got chicken wing when I played basketball. I used to perfect that bad boys before they called it. but I, I'm no wing. But the truth of the matter is, when you look around and you say to yourself, all right, what's he doing? Who's he making mad? The fact that he's making Jimmy Kimmel, the folks at the Indy Star, and other places mad is absolutely glorious. See, We, me, want free speech. I got no problem. I got no problem with left, right, middle. Hey, free speech is great. That's not shared by our dear friends on the left. They don't want free speech. They want to tell you. Well, Elon Musk says no. Doesn't make sense. How does that make sense? I want free speech. And with free speech comes fact-checking of the lies. There is a fact-checking option. I get that what we're going through right now in our country is pure insanity. I hope that a week from tomorrow we get rid of much of the insanity. I hope that a week from tomorrow we're smart enough to figure out who is helping cause this insanity, who is helping cause just a little bit more breathing room, as opposed to making our country what it truly is, the greatest country ever, ever in the history of the planet Earth. But having said that, I don't have faith in two things. One, I don't have faith that people, that the ballots, that the elections are going to be run uh, legally. If you think the last one was, then good for you. My history with people currently in jail or currently overseas that fixed elections is lengthy. So I don't necessarily trust it. You may. Good for you. But I'm glad, at least, in the world that we're looking at, Elon Musk is fighting the good fight for free speech. I like the fact that Elon Musk is making angry those that need to be made angry. Those that have lied. Those that have slanted. Those that have misrepresented. I'm very glad about this. I don't know that it helps me. Was it going to help me? You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. Did I get more followers? I'll look right now. Uh, No. I just like the fact that I can look at Twitter and now maybe, just maybe, people won't be censored because they have thought different from the insanity that is the left. I also hope that Twitter is a force in change of our assault on women and our assault on children. I've had enough. You and I both know. You know what I mean? We've had enough. We don't need drag shows in schools. There's no reason to teach kids how to tuck bucks as strippers. There's none. There really isn't. Okay. If you think there is, then God bless you. A lot of stories. LeBron James does not want to be a Cowboy fan anymore. Oh, my God. We got a crazy locker room suspension that we've been on, transgender locker room suspension. If you don't know who David Hookstead is, you're crazy. He's a great writer, great thought-provoking guy. David has been on our show, and I love when he's on because I don't have to talk. He's got great opinions, too. I'll take off my Bear Bryant hat. I may put on my King's hat. We're still talking about, we're still talking about Russell Westbrook for Miles Turner. Stop it. We'll be right back. That's it. I gotta take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Uh, Let's recap. Top of the show, I got into, should law enforcement get involved here? We've seen three things. We, oh man. We, we've seen the wide receiver from Alabama just walk around slapping people, Draymond Green's punch, and of course, over the weekend, we saw Sparty going all Sparty and jumping, literally jumping and assaulting one player from Michigan, a bunch of dudes jumped him in the, in the tunnel. David Hookstead wrote a great article about it, and I believe, and I I don't want to speak for you, but I'm at least good at Mel Tucker suspending these guys, unlike Steve Kerr, who didn't do nothing, and, of course, Nick Saban, who said his player was scared in a complete farce of an interview.
2: Yeah, I got to give credit to Mel Tucker because if you look at what Saban did, if you look what Kerr did, uh, punching teammates, hitting a defenseless woman, that's not even a punishable thing anymore if we go by that standard. Mel Tucker suspended four players, the very next day, said it is a law enforcement matter. We are absolutely cooperating with the police. We are absolutely cooperating with the Big Ten. Just a complete 180 from what Saban, the coward down in Tuscaloosa did, when a defenseless woman, and I wanna stress this, was hit from behind by Jermaine Burton. Wasn't even looking at him when he hit her. It's disgusting. I credit Mel Tucker for setting an example of how you deal with this nonsense.
0: Well, we're going to see what happens with law enforcement. But what made Saban even more of a coward was he tried to create a victimhood among his players, particularly Burton, saying that he was scared. To your point, he went out of his way to hit and look like more than one person, but certainly the young woman. Shoot, he was by. She wasn't even looking at him, and he took a swipe. What's he scared of?
2: And let's remember, Jermaine Burton is a 200-pound, six-foot-tall adult male, in pads, freak-of-nature athlete, and if you're scared by a small, slender woman walking past you, you shouldn't be on a football field, probably shouldn't be on a college campus, never leave your basement, because that's the least threatening thing in the world, Right. So there's no excuse for what Nick Saban did. And Mel Tucker, who used to be his assistant at Alabama, is proving to people what you do when you have violent, unacceptable behavior. That was a beatdown. That was a violent, targeted attack in that tunnel. The police absolutely need to be involved. If it happened on the field, it's one thing. But this was not three or four guys going up against three or four other guys. This was a 10-on-one, targeted, butt-kicking. It was disgusting to see. And, And still, having said that, Hitting a defenseless woman is probably still worse, and Nick Saban can't even bring himself to stand in front of the press and say, hey, at Alabama, we don't hit women. Instead, he said, well, if you're scared, you're scared. Who knows what might happen?
0: Let me let me go this route. One of the smartest guys I know uh, was texting me today, and he's like, you know, maybe it'll take a police action because – to your point, even Draymond Green, Draymond Green wasn't during, you know, between the lines tussle. This was something where other staff members were standing close. You got a thing in the tunnel. You got people on the field. What, what, what do you think, at what point do police get involved? And is this Michigan State
2: that point? If this is not that point, my question would be, is there ever a point then? This is as bad as it's gotten, other than the malice in the palace back in uh, what, 04, 05, 03, which we all remember. This is as bad as I've seen since then. The Draymond Green thing to me is crazy, Now I don't think the police get involved in a situation like that. But I had a former basketball coach, he owns a bar in DC called Dirty Waters, his name's Chris. Coach college basketball for more than a decade. He actually wasn't even surprised by the Draymond Green thing. He doesn't think it's a huge deal. I, I think a lot of people disagree with that, but it is weird to see that split where you have some coaches, some players defended Draymond Green. For me, there's no defense for Draymond Green. There's no defense for these Michigan State players. There's absolutely no defense for what Jermaine Burton did. Burton and these Michigan State players, in my opinion, absolutely should have the police involved. Draymond Green, I'm willing to let that go a different way.
0: See, I'm not. I coached for 25 years, and I got to tell you, I never saw it. I was talking to Urban Meyer. We were just talking privately. He was over at my house, and he's like, you know, Dan, I coach some fellas now, right? I mean, some dudes, some real dudes. And I never saw it. I saw pushing, and shoving, and maybe a swing, but I never saw a dude walk up, leave his feet. So I, I don't give, uh, based on my history as a coach, the same, but I get what you're saying. People have a difference of opi- a differing of opinion of that. Um, let me go this route with you. The- I actually heard Sparty people say, I actually heard this, that, well, he was talking trash in the huddle. Isn't it amazing how fans will defend their team damn near no matter what at all costs?
2: Yeah, well, that's a lot like saying if only the woman hadn't been on the football field, she wouldn't have been hit by a, an adult man. It's a lot like saying, well, what was she wearing? You know, when, when people misbehave and have gross conduct, you don't need to defend them. For example, Kanye West says a lot of disgusting things. You don't need to defend that. Not everything needs to be defended. I'm a Wisconsin fan. If our starting quarterback walked out onto a field and hit an adult, uh, sorry, hit a defenseless woman, I would say take that kid's uniform off and don't ever let him put it on again. Because when you allow him to get back on the field, what you're doing is you're allowing him to represent the university and you're saying, hey, yeah, he hit a defenseless woman. We don't care. I'm not okay with that. With the Michigan State players, one of these guys used his helmet as a weapon. He used his helmet as a weapon. If you don't punish that, you are sending the signal, there are no rules, there are no consequences. So that, again, is why I credit Mel Tucker.
0: You know what? I could go back to Aaron Donald. Remember the video of Aaron Donald taking his helmet off and just whooping people? It seemed a little different because it was on the field, but still the same kind of thing.
2: It's just like when Miles Garrett took uh, took, uh, Mason Rudolph's helmet and smacked him in the head with it. At some point, you have to draw the line and say, hey, yes, Sports are passionate. Tempers are going to flare. People are going to throw a punch from time to time on the field. We're not going to allow criminal conduct. We're not going to allow it in the tunnel. That's my opinion. I think you have to drop the hammer on these dudes.
0: When when you look at Saban, um, is that over? Is his deal over? He he said, "I'm not doing nothing." They, is it over?
2: Well, OutKick, uh, ironically, got an extended video that briefly disappeared from the internet. You can see it now at OutKick.com. Glenn put it up. That's the question. So my understanding is he was asked, did you see the full video, which shows him hitting multiple people, shows Tennessee fans kind of get into it with him. It adds a little more context. And as of Friday, I believe he had not seen it. So my theory is Saban's going to look at it and he's just going to say the same thing. Like, we don't see anything wrong with this. He was scared. Uh, That's a cowardly excuse. It's disgusting conduct from a coach who should know better. So my guess is that, yes, you will not see anything more come of this.
0: I agree. I, that's exactly that's why I asked the question. I, I, I kind of think that in Saban's little, you know, mountain of winning that he's secure from us, you know, peasants down below looking up at the mound of this great man, right? And he squelched it so we're all supposed to be, just be okay with it, right? That's kind of how it works. Well,
2: I, I would honestly tell you I would have had more – I've lost a lot of respect for Saban over this. I would have had more respect if Nick Saban had gone to the podium and said, look, he ain't charged with a crime. If he's not charged with a crime, we're playing him. We're here to win football games. That at least would have been honest. At least then he would have been telling the truth. Instead, he cooked up some narrative that was so comically dumb that, that he deserves all the criticism criticism he's getting. So it's shameful. He lives in his own little kingdom, and he, he's, he's doing whatever he wants. He's a dictator. That's exactly right. I I,
0: I lived in that world. I, I, I was with Bob Knight when he was – Hey, man, I'd be like, Coach, you're an idiot, man. They're going to come get you eventually. I remember telling him, you think you just told the the, uh, AD off. That dude's got an ego at some point. If you're not winning enough, they're going to come for you. Saban's going to win enough, so they'll never come for him, right? That's the biggest difference.
2: Yeah, he's definitely not getting fired. There's nothing in this world, I think, that could possibly result in Nick Saban being fired by Alabama. Nothing.
0: All right, let me go to the story that you wrote. This is the stir. A coach gets fired because he says the wrong gender. A daughter has to live life with her friends on their soccer team in a locker room with a, I don't, you know, with a male that's transgendering, dressing right in front of them. We seem to have this whole thing backwards. And I got to tell you, we seem to be making this too difficult, particularly from the transgender person and the school board no
2: yeah the the problem with this story is that number 1 does free speech exist in America or not are you allowed to state basic facts as a biological man a man and i'm not here telling how people should feel or anything like that the reality of the situation is this a 14-year-old t- uh teenage girl as she talked about with Tucker Carlson felt uncomfortable by the fact a biological male was in her locker room that is a perfectly fine stance to take. It is rational. It is reasonable. It is normal as a 14-year-old girl to not feel comfortable with biological boys around you in a locker room. That is the standard, right? And they told her, you're going to get suspended. Uh, They filed a lawsuit. They said, we want you to write an apology letter. I believe she said, no, I'll just get suspended. I don't, I'm not apologizing for anything. We're living in delusional times when science doesn't matter, when biology doesn't matter, then we've already lost the game. Right. So to me, it's crazy. If I had a daughter, I don't. If I had a daughter and she came home and was like, there's biological men in in the locker room, I'd make a ton of phone calls. How could you not?
0: I have a daughter and I've said very clearly, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sitting there, you know, trying to be politically correct uh, while something possibly happens to my daughter or at the very least, makes my daughter and her friends uncomfortable in a freaking area that is easy, easy. It gets worse, though, this story, because the dad loses his job as a coach for misgendering something that is scientifically a fact.
2: Right. And I want to be clear. There's some there's some reporting that's not quite. Has he been suspended indefinitely? Was he fired? That's not entirely clear. But it's he's punished. He's severely punished. We know that for a fact. And yeah, all he did was he referred to this person who is a biological male as a male on Facebook. He stated a fact he didn't degrade this person. He didn't treat this person without dignity. He didn't make fun of this person. He called them what their biological gender was and was punished for it. So again, when science no longer matters and when words lose all their meaning, we're at a really sad place, and that's on top of the free speech aspect. We're now punishing people for stating facts? Is is this the country we now live in? What's
0: gonna happen here? I know they went on Carlson. Is there any follow-up to any of this?
2: Well, the last I heard was the updates we wrote in the piece where they they had not, they had chosen to not suspend the girl, Because they filed a lawsuit, which the school is probably going to lose because it's freedom of speech to say, hey, this makes me feel uncomfortable, right? Can't get punished for that. That's absurd. So I'm I'm guessing there'll be some litigation in the courts. I would assume, pure speculation, the man, the adult man, the dad gets his job back or at least gets some type of settlement. It's really sad. I mean, what are we teaching people? Again, where facts and signs don't matter. And if you state factual things, you will be punished. It is shut up and obey. Don't tell the truth.
0: Yeah, shut up, obey. Make sure you're on the right side. Do you, let me ask you a side question: uh, With Elon Musk now in charge, does it change a little bit? Is Twitter powerful enough that if they make a switch, I don't know, the country makes a switch?
2: Well, I think we all we want is fairness. Don't ban people who say things like biological men are men. Don't kick people off the internet for stating facts. And if Elon Musk follows through this commitment to free speech, which I think he will, I don't know, I hope he does, then yes, I think you will see a more free flow of information and, and you that will result in a more vigorous debate, which is something as Americans we should all support.
0: Let's go to college football. Um, Brett Bielema is doing a hell of a job at Illinois. And I look back and I say... How in the hell did Indiana beat these guys, <laughs> these guys, David?
2: Well, Indiana caught them right at the start of the season, which obviously helps. Look, I don't like Brett Bielema. You and I have been over this before, but I'm not going to sit here and lie lie to you. The man is 7-1, I believe. They look like a physically dominating team. They look like what Wisconsin used to be when Brett Bielema coached there. They're going to probably end up in the Big Ten title game. Who could have thought little old Illinois and Brett Bielema would be in the Big Ten title game, I believe, in year two of his time there? It's nothing short of incredible. And and I give the man all the credit in the world, even if I don't like him personally, that man can coach football, and he is proving that right now.
0: You know, he he said he had a lot of players left over, but then a lot of players quit, and now they're on a run.
2: Your school, Wisconsin, what's going to happen with Jim Leonard? He's gonna be he's gonna get the uh the full-time head coaching job. The interim tag is absolutely gonna get taken off. And here's what I will tell you: I'll, I'll throw out a couple stats for you against power five teams this season under Paul Chris. The badgers were averaging 15 points a game. Under Leonard, they're averaging 37 points a game. Graham Mertz threw eight touchdowns to five interceptions under Chris. He now has nine touchdowns to one interception in the last three games under Leonard. The offense has been opened up. We're not there yet. A lot of things to still fix, but A lot of energy, a lot of excitement. People are fired up. Jim Leonard will be the uh, head coach for the next several years, and you will have to hear me boast and brag. And I'm a humble dude. But when we start rattling off wins, I'm going to become very unbearable.
0: Well, in in this picture here, in this two-frame, there's not one humble dude. Let's just put it that way. You can say it. I ain't buying it. (laughs) That's not – I'm telling you, when Indiana wins a national basketball championship this year, I'm going to be like a, you know, awful train wreck. Hey, does, I know it, look, I know it matters to fans. I know it matters to coaches, all right? I, 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 I had a coach's contract with things in it. Don't get me wrong. but in terms of the Big Ten championship, does it even matter who comes out of the West?
2: No. No, it doesn't because they'll get rolled by Ohio State or they'll get rolled by Michigan. The Big Ten championship game is going to be played Thanksgiving weekend in Columbus when Michigan and Ohio State play. That is the Big Ten title game. Illinois, if they go, they'll be able to take a lot of pride. They'll probably lose by 25, 30 points, but they'll feel good about themselves as Big Ten West champions. But no, there's too many weapons on Ohio State and Michigan. It's going to be ugly with whoever comes out of the West versus one of those two. That's what I
0: like, but again, I, I'm not trying to diminish anybody's accomplishments here. I'm right. talking, yeah. I mean, I, I'm just saying because I, I look at Ohio State and I'm listening to the game. I had to go to a wedding in Chicago. My wife and I are driving up. It's twenty one sixteen. Penn State is rolling. I uh, two of my friends call me. I go live bet the living hell out of Ohio State. Are you crazy? <laughs> Ohio State's one of those teams that. it's going to win and and other teams are going to make the mistake. You know what I mean? Next thing you know, it's a 20-point game.
2: Right. Unless you jump out to like a twenty-one nothing lead on Ohio State, they are absolutely gonna find a way to get back in the game. CJ Stroud is the Heisman leader right now. And when you look at what he's doing with that offense and they're missing their number one wide receiver, they can still score in bunches. They started slogans Penn State, but what happened? They flipped the switch and they it was over before Penn State even knew what happened in the fourth quarter. You like him
0: better than uh what's his name? Hendron uh what's his Hendron Hooker? Hooker.
2: Yeah, I like CJ. Yeah. I mean, CJ Stroud, if you look at his full career, has been much better than Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker's a good quarterback, but Stroud, I mean, he he looks like the prototypical NFL QB, he's big. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's got a little bit of mobility. I think I'm a Lions fan. If we have the number one pick, give me CJ Stroud all day long.
0: Wow. You're not in love with Jared Goff? What's wrong with you?
2: Yeah, Jared Goff's not terrible, but you know, at some point you got to upgrade. You know, you you know, you just can't accept mediocrity forever. That's why Wisconsin had to fire Paul Chris. Eventually, the Lions are going to have to decide, do we want a star quarterback or do we want mediocrity? And as a man who enjoys winning, which is why I'm at OutKick, uh, I want an upgrade.
0: You know, it's funny. Um, every day, and I'm being literal here, every day from noon to 3 on my indie radio show, that's exactly what I say. I go, where is the bar here for the Colts? It used to be, like when I first started and Peyton was – quarterback and I remember they got off like four and one and people were complaining and you know newspaper it doesn't look the same you know now they get a guy in there Sam Ellinger that you know throws for 200 yards fumbles and they lose oh he looked great he looked great like shut up don't we have a level here don't we have a bar to reach come on
2: yeah, I don't think Sam Ellinger is the long-term answer in India. And the thing is, Jonathan Taylor, my guy, JT out of Madison, a former badger, he can't get this season started either. The team is not that good. No offense to all the Indiana people watching this. Yes, swing for the fence. Go get yourself a star quarterback. Do it. You won't regret it.
0: Go get yourself a coach that doesn't <laughs> that you don't feel like it's what you were saying about Paul Chris. All right, I'll ask you. So, a lot of people in Indy, now because Chris Mortensen, who is the shill for Jimmy Ursay, came out and said, well, you know, these guys are safe. Okay. But you never feel you had any kind of advantage with Frank Reich. That's basically the same that Wisconsin people felt with Paul Chris. You're going to win X number of games, but you never really have an advantage against good teams.
2: Right. It's the classic. Do you want to be a bridesmaid forever or would you like to eventually be the bride? I want to be the bride, Dan. Someday I want to be the bride. And that means changes have to be made. And look, it's not like the Colts can't get it done. Right. They have a passionate fan base. The people of Indiana love them. The problem is, like you said, they're stuck in this rut of mediocrity, which is the most dangerous thing you can be, because then you're never going to be bad enough to get great draft picks. You're never going to be good enough to win anything. It's literally the worst spot to be in pro sports.
0: I'll give you my dad's advice. When I, got, when I got divorced and it was my first wife's idea and who could blame her, my dad said, hey, go get yourself a nice sweater and lose weight. You'll be fine. Girls will be crawling all over you. So there you go. <laughs> if you want to be a bride, a nice sweater and lose weight. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Appreciate you, David. Thanks, man. Great stuff. Thanks, Dan. Have a good one. You too. Oh, yeah, get a nice sweater, lose some weight, he told me. And hey, look, who am I to argue? Look, um, this is unbelievable. This really, truly is unbelievable. Um, 149 people died, 76 injured in Seoul, Korea. Now, I don't know what to tell you. Pushed by a large crowd of people moving, moving towards, I don't understand it. Moving down a narrow street during Halloween festivities, the news agency reported said it received about 270 reports of missing people related to the stampede in the leisure district. Seoul police had 137 officers to manage a crowd of Halloween revelers, over 100,000 people. People died, crowds surged hundred and fifty four people. I mean, this is insanity. That we in a in a world where we I don't really know what to say. We've got to be smarter than this. A crush of people. Can you imagine dying because there are so many people packed in a certain area? Can you imagine? It's a tragedy unlike any other. I mean, young people, you know, people are saying they've got signs. Thousands of residents went to an altar. It is the biggest catastrophe since a ferry sank. I don't, I I tried to read into this and I couldn't even imagine. Your son or your daughter um, goes to a Halloween festival Most of the people that died were women and children, because here's what it says, they were smaller and found it hard to muscle their way to breathe or to make their way out of the crowd. It was too crowded. People are asking questions. Two weeks earlier, a concert was attended by 55,000 fans, manned by 27 security officers. This had over 100,000 people and 137 officers. Uh, It is the it is a unspeakable tragedy. And when you we, we, we have enough natural things that happen, hurricanes, whatever, tornadoes to compound the death with what is just seemingly utter stupidity, people being trampled, people being squashed, people being beaten. I mean, to get out is just unbelievable freaking believer. it just is. And I got to tell you, ask, I would anyway, we've got all these massive festivals everywhere, right? We see what's going on in big cities with beatings and stabbings and random shootings, man. I, my kids are a little bit older. My daughter is 25. My son, 28. But I still ask, like, where are you going? Particularly my daughter, she's in Nashville. Like, where are you going? What are you doing? How many people are going to be there? Are you sure it's safe? That's my big line now. Are you sure it's safe? Are you sure it's safe? Yeah, Dad, it's fine. Okay, are you sure? Man, we got to take care of our young people, we got to be smarter. We got to be better, but this is unspeakable, and this is horrific. 140, at least 149 dead after a stampede in Seoul, Korea. 149 dead. Mm-mm-mm. All right, when we come back, excuse me, I got a lot of stock up and stock down. I'll give you one stock down before we go, you Colts fans. Um, you showed up yesterday. I'm going stock up, Colts fans. I'm going to tell you why. You showed up yesterday. You showed up big time yesterday. Now, look, I watched the game on TV. I was in Chicago. We drove back, got there just in time for the game. Colts fans showed up. Colts fans were loud. Colts fans didn't mess around. The team let you down, but you got a bad team. You got a boring team. You got a team that, frankly, doesn't do you any good. But you know what? You showed up, and so for that, I gotta give you i i i I gotta give you stock up, and you know what else you didn't show up in Texas. I watched that game, the Titans taking on the Texans in Houston now I understand Houston Texans supposed to be a great football city uh no. Nobody showed. And I actually said it on this show. Look, between the World Series, which is sexy, by the way, we'll get into that a little bit. I don't know that. And the Texans being awful. I don't know that the Texans were all that interested or Texans fans were all that interested in a team Quite frankly, running the ball 372 times for 9 million yards on a beautiful Sunday afternoon as they recuperate from a split that the Phillies gave them. And oh, by the way, I still think, I still think in six, the Astros win this series. But stock up to Colts fans for showing up, stock down to Texans fans for not showing up. But there's a caveat I don't blame you. Let's be honest. If you were in Houston, would you have gone to that game yesterday? I don't know, man. I don't know. But Colts fans, you did. You were loud. It sounded great on TV. You showed up in costumes. Love it. Stock up, Colts fans. Stock down, everybody else. All right. When we come back, I got a bunch of stock ups and stock downs from the NFL. I think you're going to like it. I do. I think you're going to like it. I also have my Heisman pick. It's about time we start getting into Heisman picks. You know, I told you as a long shot bet Aiden O'Connell. And in fact, if Purdue were undefeated right now, had they beaten Penn State to start the year? Not saying he would be, but I'm saying he'd be in the conversation. I'll give you my Heisman pick. I'll give you stock ups and stock downs when we come back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. All right, stock up, stock down. You ready? God, these things make my ear itch. Stock up, stock down. I'm going to start out off script, so hang in there one second, Dylan. Jimmy Ursay. how you feeling today, coach? Think about Jimmy Ursay's day yesterday, right? Here he is, the owner of the Colts. Here comes Daniel Snyder. Do you remember a few weeks ago, Jimmy? Er, he say went ham, yo, on Daniel Snyder. He did. Said that there is absolutely merit to looking into Daniel Snyder being the owner of the Redskins. The first time an actual owner went up against an actual owner. So what happens is usually. When teams come to town, Colts come to D.C., in this case, D.C. comes to the Colts. The owners get together. They shake hands. Maybe they talk. Maybe they may, maybe they go to dinner. Maybe they go to St. Elmo's. And maybe Jimmy Ursay and Daniel Snyder did, but I highly doubt. It. If I'm Daniel Snyder, I'm feeling pretty damn good. Stock up to him. If you can ever give Daniel Snyder a stock up, today is the day. I mean, what, going into Indy. And winning this game. Now, that only lasts. Daniel Snyder's got a myriad of problems that he's got to deal with. And they're ongoing. And eventually, Jimmy Ursay will probably, well, he'll be right. They'll look into getting rid of Snyder. Whether they do it or not, I don't know. But think about Daniel Snyder last night on the plane ride home. Anybody happier than him? Oh, baby. I got to tell you first, road win, team is rolling. And then you get to basically tell the guy that tried to, in fact, did embarrass you publicly to stick it. That's a good day for Daniel Snyder. Jimmy Ursey, on the other hand, at home, nine-point lead, five minutes to go. His team blows it. Crowd's booing at the end. The guy that he casts as a villain in the NFL, Daniel Snyder, gets to smugly... Walk out of the uh, Lucas Oil Stadium with a win. And make no mistake, you might say, well, it's only one win. It doesn't matter. No, 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 That is a massive win for Daniel Snyder. That is a massive loss for Jim Irsay. I mean massive. So... Don't even think for a second. All right. I don't even care the numbers, but Derek Carr is stocked down. The great eyeliner one, he always looks like he has eyeliner to me. Doesn't he? I mean, he always looks like a guy that's like the villain in a horror movie. But so I drafted him and this isn't personal. Of course, it's not personal. Uh, But I did draft him on my fantasy team because I watched this guy come into Lucas Oil Stadium. And I watched this guy kick the living hell out of the Indianapolis Colts. And frankly, he controlled the entire situation. He did. He controlled me. I was sitting there in my little seat going, whatever you want, Dirk." derek has got this whole thing under control. He did. It was unbelievable. He absolutely controlled. And so i kind of like, you know what? This guy gets a bad rap. This guy gets the kind of rap that I got to tell you, I don't like. It ain't right. He's better than that. And I was looking at the numbers just now, and I don't even care about the numbers. I'm going to tell you about what the problem is here. You, You can't throw the ball to the other team. And unless you have cachet, real cachet, you can't be above your own team. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of Tom Brady above your own team where you miss 11 games you or 11 days of training camp and then you show up late. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is if you haven't won a Super Bowl, if you haven't been one of the greats, you got to be with your team. It's us. It's not us and them. And whenever I watched Derek Carr, particularly this year, and I just happened week one, I just happened week one to catch Derek Carr. He threw the ball to the wrong team a few times. And I watched his body language coming off, and I swear to God, I swear to God you would have thought that he was Aaron Rodgers. I swear to God you would have thought that Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr were the same person. I'm going to give you some numbers here. And in that opening game, when they lost to Tennessee, he threw a pick. And he threw it legitimately. No, that wasn't the opening game. I'm sorry. He threw two picks in that opening game. It was a massive game. He threw three, actually. It was against the Chargers. Both of these teams, up-and-coming teams. The guy, the experienced one, Derek Carr, against, you know, the rookie Herbert. Three picks. Three picks. Now, he's been better since. He has. He's only thrown two picks since. But his numbers are horrific. 15 uh, completions for 101 yards. 21 completions, 188 yards. He's had some decent nights when they've gotten beat. But Derek Carr is stocked down, man. He was awful yesterday. And I got to tell you, it started, in my opinion, it started from the moment the season started with those three picks. Sometimes things get going downhill. Sometimes you jump back up. And sometimes you splat. You do. I'm sorry, but you do. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my vote is in, at least as of right now. We'll see what happens this weekend. But Hendon Hooker, the quarterback for the University of Tennessee, is my vote for the Heisman Trophy. Now, make no mistake about it. You can vote for C.J. Stroud. That's great. I mean, one loss doesn't mean that you shouldn't be in the Heisman race. In fact, get a loss out of your way. Get a loss out of your way, and next thing you know, you are able to compete, and maybe that's what Bryce Young did. Maybe Bryce Young got it out of the way. Bryce Young, really good. C.J. Stroud, really good. Has a terrific defense around him. But a lot is going to be determined this weekend. The number one team in college football is going to be determined this weekend. Tennessee goes in and plays Georgia. It's the game of the century, according to Jonathan Hutton. I don't blame him. It's one versus two. If you live in Tennessee, it's the game of the century. But nobody in this country has been better than Hendon Hooker. I'm just telling you. Let me give you some numbers. Let me give you one number that jumps out to me. 21 to 1. 21 to 1. Touchdowns to interceptions. 21 to 1. Now, let me go through this. He has played Alabama. He has played Florida. He has played LSU. He has played Kentucky. He has played Pittsburgh 21-1. to His team is number two in the country. They are, quote, ahead of schedule right now. And tomorrow, this is the time to put out Heisman stuff. Tomorrow, we're going to see it, right? We're going to see all of the college football playoff rankings come out. So now it's time to talk Heisman. Hendon Hooker has been nothing short of phenomenal. Last three games, and all he's played, well, let me go last three SEC games. Kentucky, Alabama, LSU. You ready? 10 to 1. 10 to 1. Touchdowns to interceptions. 40 points. 52 points. 65 points. 44 points. Let me go back. 38 points game before LSU at Florida. 63 points. Against, oh, that's accurate. I thought it was Arkansas. That's accurate. I mean, daggone. There's a lot of guys you can vote for for Heisman Trophy. Give me Hendon Hooker or give me death. Hendon Hooker has been fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Period. And if you don't think so, you just haven't been paying attention. You have I'm not saying you need to pay attention. You do you. But Hendon Hooker for Heisman, that's what I'm looking at. Uh, you know what else I'm looking at? I'm looking at Carrie Lake. I love Carrie Lake. I tell you what, the women of the Republican Party are unbelievable. Christy Noma, unbelievable. Carrie Lake, incredible. Tulsi Gabbard came over, incredible. I mean, these women are brilliant. These women are not to be messed with. I mean not even a little bit to be messed with. Like if you mess with them, like guys think they're great trash talkers. Guys can't talk trash. You know what guys say? Hey man, you're an idiot. Or they start swearing. Stock up Carrie Lake. Let's read Carrie Lake's latest as Liz Cheney tried to come at her. Now, I don't know if you can read this. This is kind of difficult to read, but I really don't care. I'll read it for you, but you're going to have to give me a minute. I should have had it called up. I did it. I wished I did, but I did. It's a little bit difficult to read, but I'm going to read it here for you. Ready? Hang on, caller. Uh, Dear Liz to Liz Cheney, thank you for your generous in-kind contribution to my campaign, Liz Cheney, your recent television ad urging Arizonians not to vote for me is doing just the opposite. Our campaign donations are skyrocketing and our website nearly crashed from traffic as people rush to learn more about my plan to put Arizona first and join our historic political movement. In fact, my team tells me your commercial should add another 10 points to our lead. I guess that's why they call the Cheney anti endorsement the gift that keeps on giving. While we appreciate your in kind contribution, the $500,000 ad buy likely exudes, exceeds Arizona's 5,300 individual contribution limit. What she's saying there is, that Liz Cheney her ads are worth $500 but only or $500,000 but only one person could put in $5300. Thank you again for the huge boost to our campaign. Enjoy your forced retirement from politics. I know America will rest easier knowing that one more warmonger is out of office. Yeah, you, you know, guys think that they are great trash talkers. Guys think that they are so smart. Guys aren't. Guys are stupid. As my wife says, guys are simple. Guys are very, 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 very simple. I'm simple. I'm easy. Throw something in front of me. Let me watch it. And away we go. I'm easy. Nobody's easier than me. But not Kerry Lake. Kerry Lake is freaking awesome. And when I say awesome, I mean awesome. And don't mess with women. You guys know my stance on women. I think women are so much smarter than men. I think women are so much better than men, better equipped, more well-read, have a chip on their shoulder about being great. I do. You may not. I do. And I love everything about Tulsi Gabbard. I love everything about Christy. No, I don't know about everything, but I love... You know what I'm saying. And I love the fact that Carrie Lake ain't afraid, baby. And she's not... And she's doing it smart. Very, very, very smart. She's not doing it smug, stupid, and insulting like males do. She's doing it smart. And I, for one, are all over it. You know... I've been talking about this for, I don't know, how long have I had this show? A year? I've been talking about Deion Sanders for a year. Here's the deal. I don't know Deion Sanders' program. I don't know what goes on inside Deion Sanders' program. I don't know the day-to-day operation of Deion Sanders' program. I have no idea. I've paid attention because I pay attention to guys that I like. I pay attention to coaches that I like. I also pay attention to coaches that I dislike. But i got to tell you, I've seen nothing, and it's not for me to judge. Don't get me wrong. I'm just telling you, I've seen nothing that says to me, Deion Sanders should be running Florida State, or Deion Sanders should be running the U, or Deion Sanders, wherever. Like, I watched Deion Sanders, and, and I watched him this week, and there's a couple things that I really like about him. Obviously, Deion Sanders can relate to players. He has that philosopher, father, serious but funny honesty to him that can look a player in the eye, make fun of him, but make him like it and get him to do what he wants him to do in a way that makes the player comfortable. He also apparently can coach some football because all of a sudden Jackson state is just absolutely dominating the swag. You know, Southern had been the team, but Deion Sanders and his crew, including his sons are kicking everybody's backside. Now, I'm not jumping on this to be politically correct. I'm jumping on this because I love watching coaches. I love watching coaches that don't have to coach. The Sanders don't have to coach, I assume. I don't know what kind of money he made, but he seemed like he made a lot. It seems like he was making a lot working at the NFL Network. I like watching guys that have a little bit of charisma. Like, I look like the typical old, fat, white guy coach. But as you've come to know here, that ain't who I am. Looks can be deceiving. I'm pretty much godlike when it comes to being funny, when it comes to being interesting, when it comes to being personable. But I digress. Deion Sanders should be running a major college team. Unless you're afraid of a big personality, which, hey, maybe you are. Unless there's something there that I didn't know. Hell, I thought Turner Gill was a perfect fit coming from Buffalo out to Nebraska. I thought Scott Frost was a perfect fit coming from UCF out to Nebraska. What the heck do I know? I don't know squat. I do know Mike Woodson's a perfect fit at Indiana. That I do know. So I get one out of three, right? Maybe. I don't know. But it seems to me that if you're going to, if you're going to run a program, Deion Sanders needs to be your guy. And if he's not your guy, then uh, you're going to have to know better than I. And I assume that you will. All right, recapping, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, somebody just sent this to me. Uh, I apparently did not go out on the limb because Hendon Hooker has moved ahead of C.J. Stroud, Michigan running back Blake Corum, and C- uh, Caleb Williams. Uh, C.J. Excuse me, he is an even money pick right now. Hendon Hooker Stroud is second at plus one hundred and eighty, which means if you bet one hundred bucks, you are going to get two hundred and eighty back. You are one hundred plus 180. Did you know this? No Tennessee player has ever won the Heisman Trophy. I'm going to give you another stock up that I like, Geno Smith. Geno Smith started the year and he was great and he was sticking it to everyone. Then he struggled a little bit. But Geno Smith yesterday did something that I think is really cool. Geno Smith beat the the Giants. All right. Geno Smith, after the game, shows you how an adult can act. Geno Smith said, hey, look, pal, Jerry Reese and Ben McAdoo saved my career when they were with the Giants. They believed in Geno Smith to bring him back as a backup. It became a redemption tour for Geno Smith. And I like, as the kids say, I'm here for it, baby. I like watching guys redeem themselves. I watch, I like watching guys kind of come out of nowhere. Do you remember? I can go a lot of ways with that singing. When we met anyway, Geno Smith was supposed to get beat out by Drew Locke. A funny thing happened on the way to the opening tip. He didn't. I'm sorry, Gino Smith beat out. Drew Locke. Funny thing happened on the way to Seattle. They're now in great contention. Funny thing happened. And that funny thing is Geno Smith, in my humble opinion, has to be the comeback player of the year. He has to be. No question. All right. What do we got for a woke Dope? And then I got a big take at the end here. We're changing it up. We're going woke Dope and I'm going to leave you with something that you're going to enjoy For the rest of the day. It's big take. Big take at the end. Danny's big take at the end. What do you got? Yeah, how good is this? This is one of the funniest things I've ever seen on Twitter. It really is. This is fake. I did not tweet a link to the New York Times. How good is that? New York Times is saying that Elon Musk shares link from site known to publish fake news. And he comes back, boom, with a knockout punch. Bam! Nah, I didn't tweet out you guys. What are you talking about here? I didn't tweet you guys out. No, not at all. What's the problem? That's pretty good. Elon Musk is becoming America's best comedian. He really is. Elon Musk is becoming funny. Elon Musk is humanizing Twitter. Did you see the gnomes that got let go when Elon Musk came in? Did you see the gnomes, those guys? They looked exactly what you would think Twitter employees looked like. Unbelievable. Incredibly smug Young, no life skilled people that are very smart that I'm sure get offended by every damn thing. I don't think there's any question. I don't think there's any doubt. Big take. You ready? I don't know at all what happened with Paul Pelosi. I I don't know. I know this, Paul Pelosi ended up in the hospital with a fractured skull, by all accounts, from a beating with a hammer. Don't know. Don't know what's coming out. Do we have the right to know? Kind of feel like we do. Usually I say, nah, not really. Personal lives are personalized. But when you are third in the line to the president, I got to tell you, I kind of feel like we should know. And the sad part is we won't know. The FBI is investigating. You know what the FBI is investigating means? The FBI is investigating means that there will be cover up. There will be things hidden and we'll never know the truth. Nobody wants to see an 82 year old man. I don't care the circumstances get hit over the head. It's horrific when somebody breaks into your house or it's horrific when some somebody in your house, it escalates to a problem. It escalates to something where there is physical violence. Nobody needs to see that. Nobody wants to see that. I think we can all agree on that. But the time has come for transparency. And you know what, in this world, I think we can handle transparency. The time has come for us to say, hey, look, we're gonna try as media organizations as law enforcement organizations, we're gonna try to gain the public trust back. It's been a tough few years with the public trust. The public trust has not, ladies and gentlemen, been instilled in us by news organizations. I think we can all admit that. But I would like to see just one time the public trust at least attempted to be instilled in us. If you've paid attention You know the public trust of the FBI has never, ever, ever been at a lower point. Speculation and innuendo in this stinks. I always try to think, hey, a lot of weird things happen at night in people's houses. Somebody says to me, I'm surprised they got divorced. My answer has always been the same. You never know what happens when the front door closes. I've said that my entire life. But if we are going to be a society that is open, if we are going to be a society that glorifies our celebrities, that makes people out to be wonderful, then we must just simply tell the truth. What happened at the Pelosi house? Seems to me this is simple. There's got to be video surveillance tape. Seems to me there needs to be an investigation. Seems to me the guy that did it could speak. I don't know. Who knows? Seems to me this would be one of the easier private, intimate things, things, crimes that we've had that we could get to the bottom of if we're willing to tell the truth. Maybe the truth is as simple as a guy broke in. There was a fight over a hammer. Paul Pelosi got hit over the head. Cops were called. They came in. But as we know, it seems to run a little deeper than that. I don't know that for a fact. I just know what I pay attention to. And my problem is, as a news freak, and I mean I am a news freak, I read the paper to cover to cover. Not anymore, but I used to. I'm on the Internet all day trying to get information. Very simple. How about y'all just tell us the truth? How about y'all just say, okay, this is what happened. We can handle it. I promise you we can. We got to get the public trust back in organizations like the FBI. Got to get the public trust back in our media. There's nothing more dangerous in our society than a lying, cheating, one-sided, biased media. And that's exactly what we've got right now. Exactly. Hell, if I'm smart enough to see it, then everybody else in the world has to be smart enough to see it. Because I'm arguably as dumb as it gets around here. So... I think we should all, instead of jumping to conclusions about Paul Pelosi, about the guy with the hammer, why was this called, what was that done, where was the glass? How about instead of jumping to all these conclusions, we just get the truth from somebody that's responsible for giving us the truth, either law enforcement or our media outlets. It's about as simple as I can make it, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I always say, Dick Vermeil was on our show a week ago. Don't complicate winning. I put that on. Don't complicate your life. I put that on. Don't complicate the truth. It's a simple story. I-, I bet it really is. If you really break it down, this story has to be simple. Whether it's the most egregious thing or the easiest thing. They're both egregious. Don't get me wrong. Whether it's the easiest solution, guy broke in, hit him over the head with a hammer, he was looking for Nancy, or a more complicated personal deal. Don't know. But this is an easy one to crack. You don't have to have Colonel Mustard in the library with a candlestick on this one. This should be easy. And the public should know. You're talking about third in the line of the presidents. It's a personal tragedy no matter how you look at it. So have a little respect, will you people? All right, tonight we got a monster night in sports. Monster, ladies and gentlemen. And when I mean monster, I mean monster. We got Monday night football. I know the Browns are playing, so it's not that big. But we have a huge game in Major League Baseball. We do. The World Series is upon us. And I am excited about the World Series. I haven't watched enough. I have been out. I was at one of the last, last thing. A guy like me, I ain't afraid to crap on millennials. I'm not. I ain't afraid to say everybody in the world but my fat ass is soft. But I got to tell you before I leave, I went to an unbelievable millennial wedding this weekend. My, my my college roommate, Billy Mueller, Billy's all-time leading home run hitter when he was done playing at Indiana. We were high school teammates, college teammates, college roommates. He coached bas- baseball. I coached basketball. We were roommates at in Indiana for a long time. His son, Patrick got married and it was the best ceremony I've ever been to. And I've been to mine twice. I liked mine. They were fine. Best I've ever been to. It was in a unbelievable building on the West side of Chicago. It looked like a freaking like uh, truck stop. You walked in, it was magnificent. They had all kinds of things that you would think a guy like me, because you judge me. Let's be honest, you judge me as a middle-aged white guy, bald guy, these dumb dozers. No, they had all kinds of things that I actually liked. They had diversity to it. They had a male bridesmaid. The couple didn't call themselves husband and wife; they called themselves partners. It was the most beautifully put together wedding I've ever been to. Autumn themed, great bar opened up. There was a the dining table. People were wonderful. Everybody was nice no fights, no brawls. Look, anything connected to Northwest Indiana, there's going to be a fight or a brawl. There was none of that. Zero. No wife screaming at a husband bloody murder because he happened to look down the bridesmaid's dress. None of that stuff. It was the perfect wedding. And I applaud my friend Billy and his ex-wife Lisa for not only putting together a great wedding, but raising a great son. Patrick Mueller is my godson. I'm not a great godfather. I don't know the last time I talked to Patrick. In fact, I didn't have the opportunity to talk to Patrick or his beautiful wife at the wedding. But I got to tell you, sitting there looking at that kid, I sent both Billy and Lisa a text saying how proud they had to be of Patrick. Don't judge books by the cover. Don't be old curmudgeon guy that hates millennials. Go somewhere, open your mind, and have a good time. And by the way, I got to tell you, I went the whole summer with a <laughs> Without a gin and tonic, that was a mistake. Because I had a few there, and they're awesome. I love it. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Enjoy tonight's sports. We'll be right here. Thanks for your support, as always. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Ryan. Thank- Corey did this set. It's unbelievable. Davey. Uh, I said Ryan. Dylan. What am I thinking? How could I miss Dylan? Have a fantastic, fantastic afternoon. Enjoy. Doc, it's out.